So we're going to start the sermon off today with a completely different verse than what we're actually studying. We're studying the book of Acts, but we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. This verse says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. One author put it this way. This verse instructs all believers to declare the excellencies of Christ in their network of relationships. that's, That's our job. The book of John quotes Jesus saying, I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. The sheep are are all over the place. We had Dr. Barney Wells come here a couple weeks ago. And he shared with us that there are nearly 60,000 people in DeKalb County alone that are unchurched. 60,000. Jesus laid down his life so that his sheep could be gathered together. And these sheep are gathered together when they hear God's word. When they hear God's word, hear from the voice of God. So so that's the question. Are you willing to be part of this great commission? That's the whole crux of this message. The question that, that some believers ask about the great commission is some believers say the great commission is for the whole church, the capital C. It's just a, an idea that they should be following. And I, I think we should understand That yes, it is for the church, capital C, but it is for the individuals within the church to be part of that fulfillment of the Great Commission, to be part of that process. The call in my life is to preach the gospel. To preach the gospel as I I share the good news right here, behind this pulpit. As I sit back in my office, sometimes with families or young couples to share the good news the gospel that Jesus Christ lived died and rose again when I'm at my son's soccer game I'm to share the gospel when I'm broadcasting a sporting event to share the gospel when I travel to Ethiopia to share the gospel Do I do it perfectly? Not even close. But I know the call on my life. The call on my life is is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. While I'm around the dinner table, or while I'm at the gas station, or stopping over at Chumley's. Share the good news of Jesus Christ. You don't need to travel the world to do that. 
You don't, you don't need to, to think that you have some obligation where, where you must be a missionary. As we think of the word missionary, someone who lives at some random location around the world. No, friends, your family, your neighbors, and your community have many, many people that do not know Jesus Christ. And that is our opportunity, our privilege. That is our mission field. Some of you, some of us, will go on short-term mission trips and, and uh, we'll be able to have opportunities at our workplaces to share the gospel in, in dynamic ways. We've got to look for those opportunities. And today we're going to look at, at Paul and Barnabas again in the book of Acts. And how they uh, were disciple makers. They, they were in that process of, of, of the Great Commission. And that's what the, the Great Commission is all about. Is to be disciple makers. To go and teach and baptize. To be disciple makers. We're going to cover an entire chapter in the book of Acts today. Chapter 14. And, and, and we're going to hear about Paul and Barnabas. Uh, how they were welcomed, how they were ridiculed, how they moved on, how they were worshipped, how they were stoned, how they were lifted up, and overall how they were disciple makers in spite of any obstacle in their way. Because we all have obstacles, don't we? Financial, physical, mental, spiritual, time. We get so busy it gets in the way of us sharing the good news so i'm going to read i'm going to read the whole chapter 28 verses you can stay seated as i read this but follow along acts chapter 14 if you don't have a bible there's bibles in front of you acts chapter 14 now at iconium they entered together into the jewish synagogue this is they're talking about paul and barnabas and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So there, there's people there, they're stirring people up, they're getting the Gentiles riled up. But they continue to preach the gospel. They continue to, to do miracles by the, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And they just keep going, even though that they're, they're getting some uh, obstacles in their way. Verse 4. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews... With their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities in Lyoconian and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and he had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking. And Paul looked intently at him, and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. 
And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw that Paul, what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing this? We are also men of light nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. So he's, he's preaching to them. He's, he's sharing the message with them in a very foundational way. Verse 18. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to the city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Verse 24. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia, and when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia, and from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them, and now and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples. A lot to think about there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless our time. May you be glorified. May you, Holy Spirit, uh, be our teacher at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, my introduction probably is all I need to say. You probably could close the book because that's what I want you to take from this. That we need to be preachers of the gospel. Preachers of the good news in our everyday life. So that's, that, that's what I'm trying to get you to understand from my vantage point. What I'm seeing in the scripture here is that we are need, need to be preachers of the gospel. But as devout Christians, uh, students of the word, we are going to dig into these 28 verses and, and see what the Holy Spirit can teach us uh, through these. First, first point, if we want to help fulfill the Great Commission... We need to have a desire to be a disciple maker. A desire to be a disciple maker. I didn't see this specifically spelled out in, in the scripture that we read, but I sure could tell it by their action. 
They wanted to be doing this. They wanted to share the gospel. They wanted to see lives changed. And they were able to witness hundreds, if not thousands of people, committing their life to Jesus Christ. Some of us treat this command, uh, this commission that, that God has given us, something like this. <clears throat> if I really wanted to be part of the worship team, I was t- talking to Tom earlier and seeing if, if he'd allow me to be part of the worship team. Uh, and and I, I said, I want to play the piano. That's what I want to do. Well, Tom would inevitably say, play something on the piano. That, that would be like my test. I'd come over here, I'd play... say I was off key on something but he'd say okay play something a little more difficult you know happy birthday and Mary had a little lamb are the only two things I could play on the piano I'm not too skilled in that and I don't think that Tom would say okay you're ready for the worship team you're ready to play on Sunday morning yeah yeah maybe if it was somebody's birthday he'd call in the lefty and he'd say Bring them on in. We got a birthday song to play. And maybe I'd rock it out at that point. Having a desire is crucial. It's a first step. Having a desire to do something. Having a desire to share the the good news of Jesus Christ. To be part of the Great Commission. It is absolutely crucial. But if that's all it is. If all you have is a desire, then it's empty. Because that's just a starting point. But you have to start there. You have to have a desire to be a disciple maker. Otherwise, you're you're running from it or you're you're denying it and you don't want to even think about it. So you've got to have a desire. That's why we need to look to our second point. If we want to help fulfill the Great Commission, we need to be dedicated to listening to the Holy Spirit. Absolutely dedicated to listening to God, to the Holy Spirit. John 8, 47 says, Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Revelation three twenty, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. Psalm 25, 4 through 5. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Should I go on? Romans 10, 17. How about that? So faith comes from Hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. We need to be listening. We need to quiet our lives down. Even for a few moments. So we could hear the sweet voice 
of the Holy Spirit guiding us. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of all believers. He dwells inside of all of us with, 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 within every believer who trusts in Jesus Christ. And we need his guidance if we're going to be able to fulfill the Great Commission. Paul and Barnabas were continuously seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Continuously throughout all their missions trips. They were praying that not only could they hear from God, but that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've talked about that before. The difference of, uh, of having the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you as a believer. But being filled with the Holy Spirit. So that his power could allow them to help in the process of being disciple makers. That's why Paul kept going back to certain places. Because he was being guided. He allowed the Holy Spirit to guide him back even to the places where he was being endangered. Our dedication to listening to the Holy Spirit comes with a caution too. It really does. I've known several people in my life who have listened for God and prayed but they didn't understand God's word. And the Holy Spirit will never contradict God's word. Very important to understand that. 1 John 4, 1 through 6. 1 John 4, 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into their world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. If we want to help fulfill the Great Commission, just like Paul and Barnabas, we need to have a desire to be disciple-maker. And we must be absolutely dedicated to listening to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Third thing. Third thing is that we need to have a determination to preach the word. An absolute determination to preach the word. Paul and his companions, they traveled to and fro. Led by the Spirit, they carried just a vital message. A vital message that needed to be preached. And they showed determination to continue to move forward in spite of their obstacles, in spite of the things that were in front of them. When trouble came their way, they continued to preach. When they were sent to another location, or or eventually later on, and we'll, we'll see they were imprisoned, what did they do? They preached the word. When they were beaten down nearly to death, they got up, And they preached the word. And we forget sometimes what determination is. This is for all of us here 
to listen to. We forget that. What de actual determination is. We forget, uh, we forget to be fighters. I'm not talking about fighting other people. I'm talking about having grit. Fighting through those, those fears and those anxieties and those attacks. And, and, and the difficulties that are thrown in front of us. Determination. Many of you probably know the name if I said uh, um, Glenn Cunningham. Old-timer. Passed away, I believe, in 1988. Glenn Cunningham, and when he was eight years old, him and his brother were in charge of, of getting the, the heat going in the, in the schoolhouse. His 14-year-old brother. And when they did that, somebody, instead of having kerosene in the can, had gasoline. And they threw it in there to, to get the flames going, and, and it exploded. His 14-year-old brother died. Glenn, as the doctor said, was unfortunate and didn't die. His kneecaps, all the skin from his kneecaps all the way down past his shins was completely burned off. No skin left. He had no, to no toes left on his left foot. Glenn Cunningham, as he was laying there in bed, eight-year-old young man, fighting for his life, heard the doctor say, we hope he dies. Glenn didn't want to die. He had a determination. He fought his way back, and, and finally... He was on the upward swing, and they knew he was going to survive. Again, he overheard the doctors telling his mom, he wrote in his book, that they hoped or they, they wished he would have died because of the pain and the suffering he's going to go through. Then they started uh, evaluating should they amputate his legs, and he threw a fit. So they decided that he can continue on in life with major physical therapy to at least keep his legs, even though he had no feeling in them. Two years later, after being home, he got tired of being pushed around in a wheelchair. At 10 years old, Glenn Cunningham threw himself off of the wheelchair while he was in the, his mom put him in the yard just to uh, enjoy some fresh air. And he drug himself over with his arms over to the white picket fence and grabbed the picket fence and, and picked himself up and literally drug his legs across and started training himself to feel weight on his legs. Eventually, somehow, by the grace of God, he started getting feeling back. He kept saying that in his book that he always looked to Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Determination, grit, absolute desire to move forward in spite of the obstacle that was in front of them. In 1932 and 1936, Glenn Cunningham raced in the Olympics. In 1934, he set the world record in the mile with Four minutes, six seconds, 6.8 seconds. Glenn Cunningham had determination. Absolute determination. Do we? 
Think of that. Do we absolutely have a determination to preach the word of God? I don't. I do not. I do not have that determination. I have seen seasons in my life where I have that determination, and I am not in a season of that right now. When I think of Glenn Cunningham and and what he had to go through with the grit, we are in a season in, in this world, in the United States, of comfort and relaxation. And how do we take care of ourselves? We're not in a season of determination. And that is, that is an issue for us to preach the gospel. No matter what our obstacles are in front of us, we, we, have, we have great opportunities. And it starts with just sharing, sharing the gospel with someone you know or trust or care about that, may, that, that doesn't know Jesus. You start with something super little and easy. Uh, we call those softballs. And then from there, maybe God will give you a bigger stage. If we want to help fulfill the Great Commission, we need to deny ourselves and follow Jesus. Deny ourselves and follow Jesus. Now you guys remember, Paul and Barnabas, they come into to Lystra and, and, and they see this crippled man. Paul spots him from a distance and, and he looks at him and he says, That man has faith. I don't know what he did, what kind of sign he gave him. But from a distance, Paul says, stand up. And he healed his arms, made him well. I mean, tremendous faith. We could stop right there and talk about Paul and his faith right there. But when he did that, The people there, because of a long history that we won't go into, looked at Paul and Barnabas and said, Wow, these two are gods. Zeus and Hermes. Jupiter and Mercury, depending on what country you're talking about. They saw them as gods. And so they start doing sacrifices. The, the, the chief priest of the Zeus temple comes over and does a f- sacrifice, and they're giving them stuff, and, and they're raising them up. And I wonder if Paul and Par- Barnabas were like, well, this is actually kind of good. We've been kind of hungry, and uh, now we got whatever food we want. You know, I'm guessing that you haven't been thought of as a god. Maybe you have. That had to be hard for them. That had to be hard for them because they were not treated kindly at many places. And now they're beloved. You know, sometimes that happens uh, with husbands and wives and you're, you're not having the greatest time with your spouse and, and you go to the workplace and you're treated like a god, especially if you're like a, uh, if you're the boss or, or somebody's superior. And you kind of like that. And you kind of play into that. 
a little bit more. It's a dangerous road to go down to, and, and Paul, as soon as Paul and Barnabas recognized it, they tore probably four inches is what it usually was in their garment to say that, whoa, whatever this is, this has to stop now. If it was happening at the workplace or stuff like that, you'd, you'd have to say, oh, let me go. I, I, I better walk away. Or you find an excuse and you, you try not to put yourself in that situation again. But Paul and Barnabas are saying, whoa, 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 whoa. This isn't about me. We are bringing you good news. That's what the scripture says. We're bringing you good news. And he takes, takes the message super simple. These people don't know Jesus Christ. They don't know the Old Testament. This is an opposite, a different way of preaching. And that's the beauty of Paul, is that he brings the message per his audience, and he's able to uh, change it up. And here he's going very simplistic. Hey, God has provided you rain and, and food and so on and so forth. But we, we're just men. We are just men. What we're telling you is about a person who is God. He is the God of creation. He's the God of everything. So instead of lifting themselves up, they denied themselves. Absolutely denied themselves and put all the focus on the living God, on Jesus Christ. Is that what you do? When you're praised for things, we all could be praised. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's, you, you could come home and tell your kids, great job on that test. I love that you got that A plus on that spelling test. Great job. In the bigger scheme of things, when you're seeking praise, when you're seeking um, to be followed and worshipped, are you deflecting that and pointing to Jesus Christ, pointing to the King of kings. If you want to help fulfill the Great Commission, you need to deny yourself. You need to follow Jesus Christ. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Well, this verse also points to our last point if you want to help fulfill the great commission we need to be willing to die for our faith in the savior we need to be willing to die and paul paul was willing to die literally some believe that in this scripture right here and the more i studied it the more i i i sat on it I've been studying these verses for a couple weeks now. The more I start thinking that he did die. We don't, we don't get that exactly either way. Let's go back to verse 19. Acts 14, 19. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. So Jews are coming from these two locations to rile people up. After all of this, remember we see he goes back to Antioch and Iconium. 
Paul's, Paul's awesome in that sense, where he is willing to follow where the Holy Spirit is leading. Verse 19, but the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul, and they dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and he entered the city. And the next day, we'll talk about that in a second, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. When they had preached the gospel to the city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Stoning. Stoning is, a, is used as an execution. It, usually it's a large group of people. Many times it's the people that they know who accuse them originally who cast the first stone. And these are large rocks that they take and they chuck them at them until the person dies. Remember, it was how Stephen died. And Paul, referred to as Saul back then, sat and watched Stephen getting stoned. Why was Stephen getting stoned? Because he was preaching about his faith in Jesus Christ. And the irony here is, is Paul, the exact same person who is, who is approving the death of, of Stephen, is stoned for preaching the faith in Jesus Christ. When the stoning was completed, people assumed Paul was dead. Okay? So, so he was at the minimum, even if he wasn't dead, if God didn't raise him from the dead, at the minimum, he's severely injured. They assumed he was dead. They drug him out. Threw him out there, and it says the disciples gathered around. It doesn't say they prayed. We can assume that they prayed, or they were talking to God about it, like, oh my goodness, grieving. And what does it say he did? He stood up. He stood up. And then he walks back into the city. But even more crazy is that the next day, he travels 30 miles to Derby. That is the healing power of God Almighty coming in there. No matter what, he was severely injured. And yet he was able to to get back to preaching the word, not caring about his life, saying that preaching the word is more important than me even breathing. He wasn't just settling for running into the city and, and preaching the word. He wasn't settled uh, just to stay in one place and, and try to heal. No, he just kept going back. He kept listening to the Holy Spirit spurn on other believers to continue in their faith. Because many of these people, many of these cities, even where he wasn't welcome, many people were saved. And he needed to spur them on and strengthen them and build leadership within those so he could establish the church. Friends, if we want to be disciple makers, people that truly can be part of the Great Commission, we need to listen to the sweet whisper of our Lord. Study his word. Study God's word so that we can share the message. We need to continue to humble ourselves before our king and in the end do everything 
everything we can to share the message of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, even if it means we die. So let's go. Let's teach. Let's baptize. Let's praise Jesus Christ with our lips and with our actions.